0: He was in his early 20s and he didn't know what he was going to do with his life. He had spent some time in the seminary, thought maybe he'd become a priest, but he realized that wasn't for him. When he went to college, he played football and he really liked it. But at 5 feet 8 inches tall and 180 pounds, he was a very undersized offensive lineman. So there's much too small to play professional football. His father and mother were Italian immigrants and his like, like many immigrants, they want their children to become professionals, certain professions. So his father said, why don't you go to law school? So he tried law school, but his grades were poor and he dropped out. He did know who he wanted to marry. He met a young woman named Marie, but he needed to get a job before he could get married. So he ended up teaching high school at St. Cecilia's in New Jersey and coaching football there. And he found in coaching his great gift, He was very successful, first as a high school football coach, and then he went to West Point as an assistant coach for five seasons. And then he was hired by the New York Giants professional football team as an assistant coach, where he pioneered a new run-blocking scheme. And although he was the best coach on that team, he wasn't the head coach, and he, he didn't really think he'd get offered a head coaching position because at that time there was... Prejudice against Catholics and against Italian immigrants. But in 1958, the Green Bay Packers had a terrible season. They only won one game, they lost 10 games, and they tied another. And the players were dispirited, the uh, organization and shareholders were disheartened, and the Green Bay community was angry. The very existence of the franchise was in doubt. And so on February 2nd, the Feast of the Presentation, the Green Bay Packers offered this man, Vince Lombardi, to be head coach and general manager of the team. You might have heard of Vince Lombardi. So his first season as head coach, they improved, winning seven games and losing five. And the fans appreciated the improvement so much that for the next season, they bought out every seat of the stadium for home games. And from that year on, 1959 till today, the Green Bay Packers sell out every single home game. Now, he went on to lead them to win three straight NFL championships. And he won the first two Super Bowls. So it's five championships in seven seasons. He is regarded as the greatest coach in all of sporting history. And he is proof of the difference that good leadership makes. In the gospel, Jesus looks at the crowd. His heart was moved with pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. This image of the shepherd and the sheep is fundamentally about leadership. And I know maybe sometimes we don't find it a flattering thing to be compared to sheep. (laughs) But the truth is, uh, all of us need to be led. In the most fundamental and basic reality, we are Creatures, we're contingent beings. And we cannot have abundant life unless we follow our Creator and Redeemer. In the beginning, our first parents rejected the leadership of God. And because of that, death and suffering entered into the world. God sought to reestablish the right order of things through various covenants and mediators of those covenants. And one of the most important was Moses. And so in our first reading... We hear God speaking through Moses to Israel, telling them, If you listen to my voice, if you keep my covenant, you shall be a people dear to me. You will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, the rest of the Old Testament is the story of how at times Israel did listen to God and keep his covenant, and how during those times they were blessed with good leaders and they flourished. But most of the time they didn't listen to God, they didn't keep his covenant. They were cursed with bad leaders, and they suffered. And so Jesus arrives on the scene, and there's a vacuum of leadership. And that's why the people are like sheep without a shepherd, and why they are suffering suffering greatly. And there is so much work to do to make things right. And up to this point, Jesus has been doing all that work by himself. He's been traveling to different villages. He's been preaching the kingdom of God, and he's been showing the kingdom of God by healing people and by casting out demons. And so the thing is, it's more work actually than than he can in a human sense do. And so what does he ask the disciples that have gathered around him? He says, beg the harvest master, ask God the Father to send out more laborers into the harvest. And as they pray, their prayers are being answered because in that same Gospel reading, we hear the call of the first 12. The apostles who will be leaders with Jesus, who will be laborers gathering in the harvest. And he gives them the authority and power to do what he had been doing. right To proclaim the truth, to heal the sick, and to cast out demons. All true leadership is a participation in the leadership of Jesus Christ. All true leadership is a participation in the leadership of Jesus Christ. Leadership simply means to influence other people, institutions, culture, society, for the good, specifically to bring them closer to the kingdom of God. I've always heard, but especially of late, people complaining to me, saying they're disappointed in our leaders, our government leaders and our church leaders. I share much of that disappointment. I think that bad leadership has allowed evil to permeate our land. Now, perhaps we don't have per capita as many individuals possessed by demons, but there is a pervasive, diabolical influence throughout our society. So I don't know if you heard this, but on Friday, the Los Angeles Dodgers honored a group that calls themselves the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. This is a group founded decades ago. It's a group of gay men that dress like nuns in a mocking way, in a very actually grotesque way. And they engage in all kinds of speech and activity, which is so blasphemous and so vile, I cannot even describe it to you generally. And so the Dodgers decided it would be a good idea to honor this group. And they did it on the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And Catholics objected. There was, thankfully, uh, at least 5,000, I think, Catholics that protested uh, at Dodger Stadium. But it's just one sign of the moral depravity of our society and the, uh, the power that evil has. So in the midst of this moral and spiritual wreckage, Jesus is looking out again at the crowd with pity. For we are troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. And what does he say? He says what he said before. The first thing we are to do is to pray, to beg the harvest master to send out laborers into his harvest. We ask God for that, but then we need to listen for what God is calling us to do. That's exactly what happens with Jesus, right? Some of those presents, many of those presents, not just the 12 actually, but really all true disciples, we're being called to some way to share in this mission of Christ. We, I think there is a, um, I'm, uh, you know, my, my sense of this and talking to people, there's this kind of feeling of helplessness that is translated into this um, entrenched passivity. We think the problems are so big, what can I do? And so we don't do much of anything at all. And I think this is a temptation that comes from the enemy of our salvation. We have to recognize that the family is the primary human social institution. As the family goes, so goes society. So goes the church. And there is some mutual, of course, influence. But first, parents have to begin to accept their call to participate in the leadership of Jesus Christ. And on this Father's Day we do well to remember that according to the scripture, God's first choice for leadership in the family is the husband and father. Sometimes in a confession, a man's confessing his sins, he thinks he's confessed all his sins, and I'll ask a couple questions, it's clear from the context, he's married, he has children, so I'll ask, do you lead your family in prayer? Now first of all, it's a good thing those guys are going to confession, right? A lot of guys aren't going to confession at all. Uh, but, I would say 80% of the time I ask that question, the answer is no. Okay? And so this indicates to me that there are many fathers that are not accepting um, their God given calling, their God given authority, right, to participate in the leadership of Christ, right, to help their family to grow in holiness. It is not the kind of leadership of the Gentiles, as Jesus says, who lord it over those that govern, but rather is an imitation of Christ, who is a servant leader. And so, fathers, I want to challenge you on this Father's Day. Um, If it's something that you haven't been doing, start doing it. You can do it. Lead your family in prayer. Don't leave it to your wives. Fathers, pray with your children individually to bless them Pray for their healing of of whatever's afflicting the mind, body, or spirit. Pray for their deliverance from and protection from evil. God has given you that authority and power. Start to use it. The research is clear that it is the father's faith, much more than the mother's faith, that correlates with those children practicing their faith as adults. Vince Lombardi was a father figure to his players. Many, many young men looked up to him. And he was tough and he was hard, but they knew he loved them and they loved him. Just, just read about how his former players talk about him. So I was reading some of that, but then I, went, I wanted to see how his, how his biological children thought of him, and it was a bit mixed, because he was a tough and demanding father. Um, and, but, Overall, his children were grateful that he was their father. They knew he loved them, and they loved him as well. One of his flaws was his temper and impatience, but he recognized that as a flaw, and he did work on it. And he also asked God to help him with it. Vince Lombardi went to Mass every single day, and he prayed the rosary every single day. One of the things he said is this. The greatest accomplishment is not in never failing, but in rising again after you fall. And we know this is true of the 12 apostles. Right, All of them fell in different ways, and all but one of them got back up with the grace of Christ to be great leaders for the church. May we never quit and never give up in the task of building up the kingdom with Christ.